Southeast Radio's morning mix. Southeast Radio. Good morning to you, Paddy. Good morning, Alan. Thank you very much for having me in. Right, it's uh, unusual in the sense that we've got two real-life stories coming back-to-back on the programme, but little did I know when I was talking to Benji, I thought I was going to talk about children's books, but he poured out his heart, Indeed. and I was sure has helped a lot of people. And you were you were listening to him outside, and I, I think you wanted to pay a little tribute to him as well. Yes, I just think... Um it's amazing to hear a lived experience. You can read about tragedy and what somebody might go through, but I think when you hear a lived experience from the person themselves, it makes it much more real and you can relate to it in an awful lot of way. And he was very brave the way he shared his experience. I just would like to compliment him on that. And also he gave a very positive message throughout the importance of storytelling and the importance in this high-tech era and age that we live with. The spoken word sometimes... I mean, I've spoken to one or two young people recently who said they, they find it very hard to converse with people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and thankfully they've got involved in sport and musical theatre and the like because that is an outlet for them. That's kind of society we're living in at the moment where people sometimes will text or WhatsApp rather than actually pick up a phone and speak to someone or actually meet someone. Yes, indeed, yeah. indeed. And it's, it's it, in a way it's sad. It's a lovely thing that, you know, that there is technology to do that. But the the person-to-person contact is something that's very, very special. And that was brought home to me throughout the time of my caring for my husband, Eric, yeah. in that having that personal touch and interaction with other people made a huge difference for him certainly throughout the uh, journey that we went through of his early onset Alzheimer's. This is a particularly poignant week for you. Is this the first anniversary? The second anniversary second was anniversary. yesterday. Um, yeah. And it is. The second year has been tougher than the first because I think during the first year you experience grief and you just go through it because you're experiencing it for the first time. But the second year, everything is very final mm. because you can no longer say, well, this time last year he was here. Right. Do you want to talk a little bit about him? Uh, he was Are you comfortable to talk about I him? I am, absolutely, yeah. Because sometimes they say talking is, 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 is caring, yes, sharing yeah. and also helping. Yes, absolutely. We were 33 years together before he passed away. Where did you meet him? We met him I met in a nightclub in Dublin called Hooray Henry. It was a gay disco and he had been celebrating because he worked in the television industry and he'd been celebrating um, a big contract with RTE and they were out and I walked into the nightclub and I saw this guy standing in the corner. I thought he looks quite nice and he eventually asked me to dance and they say the rest is history. Moved in with him after a week and we had, I had 33 wonderful happy years with him until at the age of 58. We noticed some time before that that... um, He was having slight problems with memories, repeating questions, not remembering things. And his doctor was terrific. He asked myself, his sister, his mother and brother-in-law to write to him to uh, show what we had noticed in any details. And that was the path that he went down then to a series of tests which eventually led to a diagnosis of early onset Alzheimer's at 58. And we managed quite well at home for a long time. And I continued to work full time. But then around 2017, 2018, things had deteriorated and I had to give up work to look after him. 
at home. And was he much older than you? He was nine years older than me. Okay. So when so he was diagnosed, what age was he? He was 58. For, sorry, you said that. Yeah, yeah 58. Just, yeah, That's okay. And you had already said he that. lived on then for another 10 years. He was 68 when he passed away. But we had a very full life because we were very lucky as well in that we were sent to the memory clinic in St. James's Hospital. And there was a wonderful uh, social worker called Matthew Gibb. And he could see that I was... It was very hard to deal with. And he took me aside and he said, Paddy, don't worry, you will be able to live with this. My one piece of advice that I will give you is to keep Derek doing what he can do for as long as possible. And that was my mantra throughout our journey. What was the memory? Was it short-term memory, long-term memory? It was, it was Initially, it was short-term. For example, um, my sister, Marion, God be good to her, she used to come up to stay with us while she was having treatment for cancer. And uh, she used to get Derek to park the car properly outside our house because Derek was very particular about cars. And she noticed, she'd give him the keys and he'd start coming in and he'd say, Mara, what am I supposed to do? And we thought initially that he was, you know, joking with us. Yeah. But it was the start of him, the connections missing. So he wouldn't remember where things were. He wouldn't remember that I had said that I'd be late home for work or that somebody, my nephew was doing some work in the house and he said, OK, Derek, we're off. We'll see you in the morning. Yeah. And he would open the door and he'd say to Ronan, what are you doing here? So it was those kind of things that yeah. and he unsure of where things were in the house, mm -hmm. those kind of things. Th that's how it started. And in the latter stages, did he lose did that become harder for you did did he did you actually lose in other words he was there in body but 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 not in yeah. mind yeah that was very difficult um it's it's i think it's a it's a torturous disease to go through because mm -hmm. you lose your loved one little by little every day mm -hmm. and i can remember he was at home until 2020 and he collapsed at home just at the beginning of covid and um, these wonderful paramedics came to deal with him and they turned to me and said, well, he has to be taken to hospital. But I'm sorry, Paddy, you can't come with us. Yeah. And he spent eight weeks in hospital. And you and couldn't I see, him. see him. Right, OK. Uh, the student nurses in St. Vincent's were fantastic. I spoke to him every day on the phone, but his speech went during that time. And they kept saying to me, Paddy, don't get upset. It's OK. He knows it's you. He's smiling yeah. when I was speaking to him. So... Then from there, he ended up uh, going to a wonderful nursing home called the Four Ferns in Fockdrock. They were superb. And but he came back, but he never came back to himself. And I remember it was almost 10 years to the day that I went into the nursing home and I knew he didn't know me. Right. And the reason I knew that is because 10 years previously, a similar thing had happened with my mum. Oh but she dear. was 90. Nearly, yeah. and she was 94 when she passed away. Yeah, okay. So, because I, I remember walking into her that day and she looked at me and she did what I used to call her Duchess smile. She smiled very politely as, you know, being a very uh, well brought up woman. And Derek looked at me in the same way that I could have been anybody. Mm. I could see that the, the connection of our relationship had gone. Now it it came and went, but that was was the start of it. And, and did, you, did, did you ever get a moment with him that he was your partner oh. yeah did, did you ever get those little moments where he realised who you were I get upset again but oh, no, no it's okay um, there was one day 
shortly after he moved into the nursing home, I was really happy with where he was. And I was sitting beside him, yaddering on and talking and talking and talking. And I kept using the word happy, that I was happy with where he was. I was happy the place we were and all that. And I stopped talking for once. There was silence in the room, I'd say, for about a minute, a minute and a half. And the next minute he turned to me and he said, happy. And I knew what he was trying to tell me because I could see it in his eyes. They were trying to say, Paddy, you've done well. I'm very happy where I am and I'm happy that you're happy. And that I went home that day floating. So there had been moments like that. And even towards the end, there were times when I'd get a little flash in his eyes every so often that he knew I was still there. I mean, you as as a couple had gone through so much because you were there for the transition yeah. of Ireland. Uh, oh, yeah. Like, when you formed the gay relationship initially, uh, well, initially did, did, we, you, we did you suffer prejudice at any stage? Well, I was very lucky in one way we didn't, but Derek would have experienced it, certainly, because he was originally from Northern Ireland and he moved back, he moved to Dublin because of that. And there was a residual fear that Derek had of, of people he didn't know or because he witnessed friends of his who had bricks thrown their, through their window and that kind of thing and graffiti dubbed on their their doors and at the time that Derek and I met it was illegal to be gay in Ireland and we could have been arrested for the simple reason of demonstrating the fact that we were in love with one another yeah. and wanted to live together and wanted to have and a marriage. How important was it for you then the transition the changing of the laws and Unbelievable. Yeah. Did you marry? We, uh, we, got, we had our civil partnership yeah. uh, in 2012. That was the year he was diagnosed. We never got to full marriage because of his mental capacity. But he was fully aware of what we were doing and we had an absolutely wonderful day in City right. Hall in Dublin. Uh, it, was, it was fantastic. Such happy memories of a difficult time as well, but wonderful, wonderful. Yeah. And Do you think you will find love again? I don't know. It's not something it's that too I... Too fresh. Really, I, it is, it's, I mean, he was... <laughs> He's a force of nature in his own way, a very quiet, unassuming man, but such a power, yeah. such a power and a presence. But now you you want to um, remember him. And yes. You, you're part of this European Dementia Carers Group. Yeah, and also uh, uh, what's called the Dementia Carers Campaign Network here in Ireland. Yeah. Next Tuesday, I'm going to the uh, to mark the tenth anniversary of, of what was co- what's called the Irish Dementia Dementia Working Group, and that's for people living with dementia, so they have a voice. And Derek was one of the founding members of that, and that's celebrating ten years next Tuesday. Yeah. And as, as a result of that, this thing called the Dementia Carers Campaign Network was formed, and that's an advocacy group for people who care for people with dementia, so they're heard. Can, and can I ask? Of, you, uh, I don't want to cut you no, off. No, no, but go ahead. There's a question floating around in my head. Can you advise people? Like, I have a very dear friend going through this at the moment. A relative of mine had it as well. And it's heartbreaking because when you have a dear friend going through this, you don't know whether to ring them or they to ring you. What advice would you give to someone who has someone close to them who is now going through the early stages of this, having been through it yourself? One of the best things that I ever did was to contact the Alzheimer's Society, their support line, 1-800-341-341. They have such an immense amount of knowledge and expertise now that it's a really good starting point. They can point you in the direction and that's great for the formal support. But the informal support, you cannot beat the fact that your friends don't forget that they come, they visit, they ring the carer or they ring the person, that they make the effort to be present with that person. Because if you are 
you if being there you might get that moment where there's a connection right. and you can continue it and that whole thing of consistency right for people with dementia is really important so if you say look I'll be there yeah. to see you on a Wednesday make sure you do it and be there all the I'm time I'm only sharing the personal experience yeah. because sometimes it's the easiest way to get a message across like this person who's very close to me would ring me on occasion yeah. and would be normal and yeah. then I could ring that person and they're completely distant yes. and it's, it's 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 hard to know how to handle a situation like that do you wait for them if they're having a good day to contact you or do you contact well, them well i i would always i mean i can remember from my experience what we went through that i was always glad that people would contact no matter how derek was if it yeah. wasn't a good day fine at least the contact was there you okay. might be able to i would say to him yeah. you know that graham or charlie were on or some of the friends were on to let you know days that would be fine other days it didn't matter but the fact that no yeah that it would be there it was a huge help Oh look it's been an absolute joy to talk to you Paddy uh, and I mean I think uh, I hope it has helped other people like what Ben did it's just one of those days where yes. purely coincidentally we yeah. get two real life stories that are absolutely powerful okay. and people speak honestly and openly to us but now I cut you off in midstream about what you're now doing next so I let you conclude by, by telling us how you're how you're taking the memory of Derek well, to help others Thank you very much his, his it, I, I feel that his, this is his legacy because when he was diagnosed his attitude was what can I give back to help other people. So in, in being involved in these groups, the voice of the carer is being heard nationally and now in Europe because this was only founded last year. So it's the very beginning of the stages of this, of what we try to achieve. And the, so it's it's exciting as well as to see where can we go with this and what changes we may be able to make into the future. As I said, it's only just over a year or nearly a year in foundation and I'm just back from speaking at a conference in Helsinki, They had their annual Alzheimer's Europe conference. And what I was very taken with was the diversity of subjects and subject matters that were yeah. attended. I chaired a section to do with LGBTQ com- community because there are enough barriers in accessing service if you have a dementia. Being different in a colour, creed, sexual orientation, you don't need to have that barrier there as well. Thank you so much. Not at all. Lovely to talk much. to you. And you too, Alan. Thanks, Miller. Uh, Paddy Crosby. Southeast Radio's morning mix. Southeast.